my question for you is, would you rather, instead of a nose, so instead of your nose on, on your face, not, you know, um, would you rather a one of those party streamers, you know, you go, and it yeah, sort of unravels yeah. from there, or uh, like one of those colourful pinwheels you get at the beach. And it replaces your nose. This is my nose. Um, <laughs> no, I would like the party streamer. I think the, Why is the pinwheel would keep you cool like a fan, and that's all right. But I think the party streamer, you could like do it in in very like funny moments. Funny, and it and it's only me who has it. It's not like all the your that's has it. that's interesting to me because you're thinking of it. You're like the, the your immediate thought, think thought process was which of these is going to be most beneficial out of yeah. the situation, not which is going to be least annoying. So I asked this. I asked this at work today. Uh, I asked my boss and also one of my team because my boss lets me annoying with this sort of shit. Uh, uh, I asked. I asked this question, and he immediately just started asking questions about like the negatives of it, and that was how he made his decision of which one was going to be least debilitating to him. And you've gone the. You've immediately yeah. just gone. This will be beneficial in this way. This will be beneficial in this I'm, way. I'm gonna go for this one. That's that's good. That's good. I like it. I like it a lot. I I also would have gone for the party streamer only because I think the the small little plastic stick of the um <laughs> of the the pin, the pinwheel would get like it was it was if strong wind is going to start blowing around all the way. Whereas in a party streamer, I reckon I could clip it into place, and then it then doesn't unravel. That's that's my that's my question of the day. Welcome right. to the Nerd and or Geek podcast, uh, episode eighty one, going out on Monday the thirteenth of June. Um, almost half of the year completely done, which is <laughs> wild to me. I know it's crazy, isn't it crazy? No, no. Don't <laughs> that's don't at talk the about it. at the end of June. We're when we do a podcast. I'm going to ask what your favorite games of the year are so far. Just so you know, in, in ahead of time. There's only been I, like one. <laughs> yeah, there's only been like one game, it's true. Uh, I am your host, Cal Doughty, and I am joined by a man who defies all expectations. No one will talk to him on dating apps. It's everybody's <laughs> friend, Scott Hunter. Hello. People I, do talk to me on dating apps, they just don't say anything interesting. <laughs> Uh, they they all collectively don't say anything. Interesting. I've I've had some good conversations on them, but I I've just I've not found the what I'm looking for. <laughs> okay, so um, we we talked. I don't know if you wanted to bring we, someone on a podcast. But I've brought it up now, so right. deal with it. Uh, you, what are you looking for in a do? What, what's your what's your? I'm I'm going to stop wondering like what you should do in order to interest the other person. What's the other person got to do to win you over on a dating app? Well, just um, well, taking it, taking interest in the conversation we're having is always a good start. Because I, I was talking to you, like I said, I don't like to, like I said to you before, I don't like to rant about <laughs> to bring dating it up. apps. To rant about <laughs> dating apps because it makes me look bitter and alone, and like I've failed at love. I've not failed. And you're at just, love. you're I, just alone. I, you're not bitter. I, I, I'm, I'm not bitter because I'm, I'm happy alone. I'm just, you know, I, I would like, you know, if possible, to find a, a romantic connection. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm I'm not in a hurry to uh, to settle. So <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, unlike some people we know, but <laughs> uh, you can be wondering if you're listening to this and you know us, you wonder if we're talking about you. Oh, I would assume you were talking about me, but well, that's <laughs> no. maybe it's someone who listens and who knows us. Yeah, no, you've not said you're you're not settled. Well, I've not settled exactly. Absolutely not. Um, um, she might have done with. <laughs> 
With... Uh, so basically, like taking interest in the conversation we're having is the start. Like, I, I don't want to feel like I'm the sole driver. I also, little rant, don't message me with just hey, all right? Because I, I wouldn't think I've do complained it to you. about this before on the podcast. I wouldn't do it to you. No. Don't do it to me. At least ask me a question about something. Or, or, or something give on me, your profile? Or just something, some, some... give me a comment on something on my profile? Just to, yes. You know, something like that. Uh, so yeah, some, I don't know if I, I don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast what my opening message was to my partner. All right, but, uh, well, she had she had a picture on her Tinder profile of her in it's just this her face in in this bull pit. So it's like a picture of all the balls around her. Uh, steady on, and just her face in the in the <laughs> middle of it. And I just commented on that. I was, I was like, uh, partner's name. Where is this ball pit you've been to? That looks amazing. And then I followed up with also hey. And then that was enough is to it, get the conversation rolling. Flexible. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just a mention something with... about them. S- say hello. Carry on from there. Mm. All, yeah, all but... I'm saying is I've not met someone from these apps that I want to be around as much as just my regular friends in my life. <laughs> no, that's, I thought you were about to say but... as much as just yourself. No, well, sometimes, but you know, I have some worse, better and worse dates. But I'm just looking for someone who I want to, you know, just like I like to hang out with you, but like with a romantic angle as well, a romantic yeah. cow. That's what you want. Someone you can. What you want them to do is act interested in conversation like I do on the podcast. You want someone who who opens a conversation. With I I, a, I want someone with whom the focus of my relationship is a bi-weekly podcast, <laughs> a bi-monthly podcast. The other week where you're not talking to me, you want to be speaking to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. That, maybe that I should. Oh, that's a good profile. So you're looking for someone to do a podcast in the off season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, don't, any- I think that's good. That, that'll start some conversations. Anyway, wish me luck, audience, in my Scots battle with love. We'll have another report next week. We, we, we won't. Definitely no, won't. We, 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 definitely, we definitely won't. He's going to beg me not to bring it up again, uh, which, I, which I won't. I just had... I remembered I had another question to ask, which I hadn't asked him in the, pre, the pre-chat. And why not do it in a recording that goes out to everyone? I realised after last week's episode... Um, a lot of people had some. I had, a, I had a number of messages from people saying how much they enjoyed the story of me almost getting banned from the country, um, and I realise after the fact now that I've basically <laughs> admitted on, on in a recording to defrauding border security. So that's good. I think it's a I comedy ever... podcast. <laughs> If I ever go away again, I'll have to just delete that episode or hope that they're not going to suddenly listen to that episode for whatever reason. Well, you see, you think in your mind the border police have seen your passport quickly on their little computer, Googled (laughs) Cal uh, Doubter. I was going to put your middle name, but I don't know if you want that in public. And and they they found Nerd and or Geek. And (laughs) I'm picturing he looks at you and he puts in like an earbud and just starts listening. Yeah, absolutely. If you search me on Google, you you get my a YouTube account I've not used for since like two thousand and ten or something. <laughs> uh, you get uh, my Twitter account two two like options down. You get someone else's Twitter account before mine with less followers than me, so I don't understand how that works. And then the rest of it is just not me. When which is, I was which is nice. 
a kid when I was about nine, 2001 it was, uh, my mum took me to Iran uh, because she's Iranian and we went to visit some family there. And I remember going through the border security, my mum, and she hadn't been back to the country in you know quite a number of years. And obviously Iran's quite a, it's a police state, you know, it's a, um, so they're quite harsh kind of border security. Yeah. And so they, they detained her for a little while. They, they had a lot of, they kind of be questioned why you're coming to the country and so on. Uh, and also, my my mum had we'd brought uh, some VHS tapes to keep me entertained. Uh, so was, they were Digimon. Uh, it was like the first, like however many episodes of Digimon. And yeah. they they did check them on fast forward, but they did watch them through to uh, check there wasn't any kind of uh, illegal material hidden on the tapes. Really? Uh, so so that Iranian border guard got a, got a look at Digimon. <laughs> Lucky guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not so bad, but I mean, it's so weird I'm, I'm that they would feel that do they would do that. Yeah, well, obviously, Iran's got quite heavy censorship as well, so they, they were checking, presumably, that there wasn't anything uh, trying to smuggle any materials in. Obviously, this is uh, early internet-ish, so it wasn't... Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a way you'd get kind of material into the country. Anyway, I'm picturing that, but with your podcast, this podcast. This podcast. Well, <laughs> so I, I spoke to a friend about it, and apparently, like... Uh, my friend also had another friend who this happened to. Not not the speaking about it publicly on a podcast, but like they it happened to them in terms of having an invalid passport. And now whenever they go through passport control, they get additional checks. Yeah, it can happen. So I'm probably going to have additional checks every time I go through passport control. There, There'll be a little flag on my name now. There's a, a writer, oh, he doesn't write for many more, but he was um, Paul Dean, who was like a journalist, like games journalist. Um, he wrote for, <laughs> I had to qualify that game. Yeah, journalist, not, a real, not a real journalist. journalist. Uh, but he write, he he founded and wrote uh, for Shut Up and Sit Down, which is a board games site for quite yes. a while. He, he struck out on his own. And, and he did an article um, about his trip because he emigrated to Canada and his like things with the immigration progress process. And apparently whenever he comes back into the country, into Britain, uh, he... He he always has to go for additional checks, and he asked once because he never he never had like an incident like that. But apparently, in the article, he was like he asked once a border guard, "Why you know why do I always get these checks?" And the guard like looked at the computer and he said, "Someone with the same name as you has done something very bad." <laughs> Great, which is a bit disconcerting. <laughs> Well, to any other Caldalsies out there um, who may Thanks be having trouble for going through border <laughs> control from now on, sorry about it. Very sorry about it. Scott, how are you doing right now? I, I'm all right. It's hay fever season, which means I am congested and from now until like August. Great. So that's like the entirety of the summer. That's the entirety of, of the anyway, summer. Just... I can't breathe through my nose. Good. I've got tears streaming down my face. Good. And I've got a cough. So you wonder why the women aren't talking to you. Yeah, well, but so many people get hay fever. I I wouldn't mind a coughing, sputtery woman. For a <laughs> you should bit. put it. You should put it on your Tinder <laughs> profile. Just has hay fever. But has hay fever? Seek similar. Yeah. <laughs> no, that household will be terrible to be in during the hay season. <laughs> Both of you just making the yeah. worst noises ever. Anyway. That's me. Uh, apart from that, life has just gone normal. I'll talk about... Because I've been out, I've been visiting places and people, but that's kind of going to go in the what we've done bits. So Yeah, that's true. I'm apart from that, it's, it's just fine. Um, okay. Yeah, well, work's that's... a bit of an admin nightmare. Yep. I bet. Uh, as, it comes, as it comes towards the end of the year. It comes towards the end of the year, and there's a lot of um, processes which have not yet been tried. Okay. Right. Well, that's... Because they had some mergers. Anyway, that's me. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I also have not a lot going on. Um, 
the problem with doing a, a podcast bi-weekly is sometimes nothing happens in those two weeks. And that's basically where I am now. I, fi- I finish, finish my holiday and I'm not going to immediately go into something else. Well, well also, we buy, we part off like the stuff that we've been enjoying into its own separate section. Exactly. So when, yeah. when you kind of ask, what have you been doing apart from anything that you've watched, played <laughs> or read? Um, <laughs> or maybe even places you've visited. Yeah, then, that's a good point. Then there's not that much to say. Well, how about we get into that then? All right. Well, do you want to do the place that you visited? First? All right. So uh, speaking of board games, I went to see the UK Games Expo in so this Birmingham. So this is a board game exposition. But yeah. So it's, okay. it's, a, it's a slightly interesting one because it's kind of a mixture between like industry convention and mm. also like general public convention i i get the sense it's one of those i don't actually have a history behind uk games expo but i get the sense it's one of those shows that if you went like five years ago would have been mostly like industry professionals and now and as like board games have got more and more popular has since kind of ballooned into, into being like now, now kind of a general game maybe 10 years ago because five years yeah. ago board games. but you know the, the board games industry has like massively increase in size in the last sort of 10 years 10 to 15 years and i think similarly i would speculate the uk games expo has similarly becomes kind of a public event as well as like industry i mean you look at like um i mean that's what happened to e3 i know it's not the same sort of scale but that that very much became a public event yeah that, that I, imagine, well. I imagine it very much is just one of those things of the owners of the event being like hey so many more people in the public would love to just come to these yeah. sort of things i, I mean just... e3 um has gone back and forth over the years. I find this quite interesting because uh, obviously right now they're sort of in a bit of a terminal decline, really. But over the years, they've gone back, next back year, and forth. Apparently. Because it started as like basically a press trade show. So yeah, started off, uh, you couldn't get in to E3 unless you had some kind of press pass. But Pretended to have one. The standards of like what constituted a press pass were pretty yes. low. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then I remember in like the mid-2000s, Maybe they, they were like, we're opening it up to all the public. Now anyone can go. And then they went back on that a few years later. And then it became like a, a nominally press event again. And now in the wake of like COVID, they've announced they're going to make it into like a big, what was it? Q, Q-tainment. They're going to make you play a game in the queue or something. That's what they were going to do before um, before the whole COVID thing hit. Okay. But yeah, they, they so they want to make it. I guess anyone can come. I yes. think I think now, like I've heard, so they've announced they're going to be coming back again next year. So they've not done a, a public show for last year. They didn't do one this year or complete, no, not even a digital space this year. But I believe next year, the understanding right. is they're trying to go back to what made it good, which mm-hmm. it means maybe not having it as a public thing again. Well, I don't, the thing I don't is, especially know. in the age of like so, like YouTube and like social media, the, 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 the definition of games like, content creator games journalist is really loose really loose yeah. so it was easy to get a press pass before and now i think it's even easier maybe we should give it a go i, I don't want to go to e3 it sounds uh, if you'd asked me in like 2005 when i was like 14 <laughs> i would have loved it but i think i really desperately do not want to go <laughs> okay but somewhere i did enjoy going was the uk games expo in yeah, birmingham what you that was uh, so so it ran from like friday to saturday last um but that was the first like weekend of june but i went only on a saturday my mate uh had some free tickets that mm-hmm. he got through his job i won't name what his job is uh <laughs> uk games but, expo organizer uh anyway he got some free tickets 
so he we we went along for for the Saturday. Uh, and I, have you ever been to like a big convention like this? Yeah, I went to Eurogamer Expo, uh, oh, yeah. also in Birmingham. I imagine which, which where was it in Birmingham that you did it? It was NEC. So yeah, there, so there's, there's, the yeah, the it's the convention place. center in Birmingham. Yeah. Um, quite disconcerting that you get out of Birmingham International Station straight to the convention center, never set foot in actual Birmingham. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, I like anyway. I, I like it. Anyway, it's three big halls. Uh, and it's kind of standard convention stuff. So there was a vendor hall uh, where there's lots of different people, um, some companies showing off kind of new games, games that were coming out soon. And then you have kind of associated things, you know, various uh, shops from across the country had carted some stock uh, over to, to Birmingham. Uh, right. I hope they, I hope it was worth it for them uh, because uh, I, I don't know what the cost effectiveness is like. You have, um, and then like um, various related things, you have people share, showing like accessories and stuff for gaming, furniture, which I wasn't particularly interested in, but you know, associated industries. And then there was like a playing area as well, like a free play area with like a, there were a couple of tournaments on as well. There was like a card game, Digimon tournaments and whatever. That sounds that, cool. Uh, that was cool. Um, I No, I, I don't play Digimon, the card game. But um, I always also, wanted to. But there, was, there was like a games library as well, so you could do that. But I, I didn't really have a plan when I went. So I think to get the most of it, my friend uh, Mark, who I didn't know was going to be there, he lives in Liverpool and he we just kind of ran into each other there. Uh, but he was a planner and he showed me a very detailed um, piece of notepaper he had with uh, all the games he wanted to get in and uh, the different exhibitors and what he wanted to see. I didn't have any of that. I just came up to be like, let's just have an explore. Uh, we wandered through the vendor hall in the morning. I went up with a few friends, I'll say as well. We, went, we wandered through the vendor hall in the morning, uh, and then in the afternoon, uh, we spent uh, in the open play area playing a couple of games uh, just out of the convention yeah. library. Um, yeah, it was cool. I got some... I didn't spend... Okay, I didn't spend too much money out yeah. of a convention. Uh, I got... Um, I kind of wanted going in... I wasn't interested in just buying random board games because I can find them from my local shop or from online or whatever. I was interested in buying stuff that I normally wouldn't bother to buy, uh, such as I got like a model, uh, like a, a resin uh, model of a stone troll, a big kind of a troll type character. Not for any particular game. It was just uh, this uh, kind of small indie kind of model creator was there. And it was some, and that would be something that um, also what they lured me in and maybe this is a testament <laughs> to the power of uh, this kind of technique. They had like a spinny wheel. So you could like pay two pound a spin and you'd win like some kind of model off of it. Oh, so I had like a, like a loot box. <laughs> I had a couple of goes on the spinny wheel, except the box. <laughs> at least what I got, I could keep and trade and paint or whatever. Anyway, um, I had a couple of girls on the spinny wheel, won yeah. a couple of small things, and then I bought a bigger kind of troll model. And that's the kind of thing that I probably, if I saw that online and it was like, that's plus four pound postage and packaging, I'd be like, nah, I can't be bothered. But because I was there, I kind of got it. Two pound? Uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah. I got some discount uh, paintbrushes, um, which are cheap, but they but cheerful. They'll make some nice like paintbrushes for heavy duty work. And stuff that I don't want to use my fancy paintbrushes on, and uh, and that was it. That was all I spent um, at the convention. Uh, so I was quite happy. Oh, I got a cheap Count Dooku as well for Star Wars Legion. 
very good. And that was cheap. That was cheaper than it would have been to buy just from a regular retailer. Was so the guy that... who you got this this figure from? Was it is it like a three D print? Because I've seen like a few of these three D printing figures like on Etsy, for example. Was um, it that sort or, of thing? Or? No, it wasn't. So the Count Dooku I got that was for the game of Star Wars Legion. So that was from. No, I mean uh, the the other the, the, uh, the no it 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 wasn't three D printed. It was um cast resin. Okay, uh, so. So you can, it's kind of made out of the same stuff that you'd 3D print with, uh, resin 3D print, but th- this was actually cast in a mould. It, okay, it wasn't 3D printed. Um, I can tell that because it's got a mould line on it, which I'll have to take off. Thank you very much. <laughs> but, but no, it's, it's only a small mould. You expect mould lines, that's normal. Uh, so that was cool, but I, I didn't spend that much of a convention, but only because that morning, Games Workshop pre-orders went live and I pre-ordered the new Horus Heresy box set. They saw you uh, coming. Like which uh, I, I planned to get it for a while. I'm, I'm on the Horus Heresy train. Uh, I've, I've read another Horus Heresy book, which I'll go into. Uh, so I, I'm on the hype train for Horus Heresy. I will paint up that box. What's the deal? What's the deal with Horus Heresy? Okay, so Horus Heresy, I, I told you before, it's uh, it's basically the origin story to the Warhammer oh, yeah. thousand game setting. But also, as well as being a fictional kind of setting within that, it's also its own separate game. Uh, and set in the time period and it's pretty cool it's more narrative heavy and it looks good so i'm gonna paint that up i'm nearly done with my star wars legion um and then in the afternoon we uh we just went uh, to the open play area and played a couple of games um and that was cool so uk games expo i would recommend one thing i'll note yeah is i did have a couple of instances of seeing like stalls or like promo banners for games and thinking oh that's cool and then you look down and you're like it's like coming on kickstarter november 2022 oh so coming on kickstarter <laughs> later this year yes so it's not, not even, even like it'll not even you know it'll launch this year, later it's on this kickstarter. year no so it's pretty hard to get hype for like yeah. a game that is um at least two years away probably and they don't including... yet have the funding that's if they get the funding yeah. about it there was one company who had they had other games that they'd actually made and then they had this other game like a banner for it all right coming to kickstarter soon there was Wait, one company why aren't they using the money from their other games yeah to fund the I, new ones? I, do, I do think that um the, the whole kickstarter economy and like kickstarter games and how companies use it that's a whole other conversation uh, which i think is quite interesting but not right now but there was another company they'd taken out an entire stall um it wasn't a massive stall, but it was like, you know, you pay money, some pretty, you know, not insignificant amount of money to have a stall in these convention spaces. And they've taken up this entire stall for a game where they just sh- were showing you prototype components for a game that will come to Kickstarter in like October. <laughs> and it, it feels like such a waste of money. I, I may, yeah, I don't use know. some of that money you're using for the conventions, I mean, fucking for the, for the thing you're about I to mean, make. if that's an indication of how you're going to use my Kickstarter money, maybe I don't want to back this game. But I, I, suppose, um, I suppose on the flip side is, where are they, what, what sort of like um, outlet is there for these independent games developers to get their board games noticed other than like yeah, expos like this so like where they, itself is not they... so bad for marketing but you do need to do a fair amount online yeah so, i just i just don't know where you would go to get yeah. that so i suppose trying to drum up some form of like uh, face-to-face is, like, hype makes yeah. sense i think that the time period is a bit of a lapse like because i can imagine like your games on kickstarter now we've got yeah. stored in games expo go to our kickstarter now kind of makes more sense yeah, because right now you're hoping people will remember in a few months' time to yeah. check out that Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but then also if your Kickstarter is live now and you've not had a chance to build up word of mouth yet, yeah, 
I, it's, it sounds tricky to me. Like I, I kind of get it. I'm not sure it's like yeah. the best method, but if, if a few of them are doing it, maybe there's something maybe. to it. Yeah, I mean, but one company that was doing it had other games that were out. Yeah, I, I feel a bit weirder about yeah. that, though, is the only yeah. thing. Mm. Like, if you've got established um, <laughs> games, like, you should ideally be making yeah. money to not have to use Kickstarter. Then again, Penny Arcade did a Kickstarter, and they're super successful anyway. So. Well, that's oh, another conversation. Also, the standout thing I'm actually interested in from the thing uh, is um, Undaunted Stalingrad. Uh, which will come out in October, apparently. So that's another thing that I saw, and I was like, this looks cool to be told. At least I'm told it's coming out in October. It's not like it's a Kickstarter. It's, it's coming out in October. Uh, but the Undaunted games are some cool, like, card-based, like, war games, uh, which I like. And they're quite... They're like tokens and, like, a card deck, and they're they're in it, they're fairly indispensable for board games, and they're pretty cool. And the Stalingrad one's going to be a bigger box, and it's going to have some more kind of narrative elements, and that looks fun. I did, however, like I didn't let on to like the the person in the store that I've got like a history mask. I'm I'm quite big into history, so I didn't pump them with too many questions about Stalingrad. That's how accurate good would it be exactly? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> just not, just I wouldn't have cool. done that anyway. Yeah, I don't want to be a. Uh, I have a history a degree, um, so I'm gonna. <laughs> this better be just to let you know. This better be pretty accurate because I'm a pretty big deal on Reddit. I'm gonna be a I'll... doctor soon, <laughs> mm, so you need to get this right. The history subreddit really listens to me. <laughs> <laughs> is that all right? What's the what's the history subreddit Reddit like? How racist uh, is it? No, so okay, there's ask historians is good. Because okay. Ask Historians is tightly moderated. That's Ask only, Historians, not Ask, ask Historians. Yeah. Yes, Ask Historians, ASK okay. Historians, yeah. Yeah. is actually good because it's tightly moderated. So only people who know what they're talking about get to reply to questions. Good, good. good. Uh, whereas History is more like a free-for-all and you get the, the requisite uh, difficulties with that. I yes. don't browse Ask History. I don't browse our History. I do browse our Ask Historians. Very good. Okay. Okay. That, that, that sounds was good. Games Expo, I would come back again. I'd probably want to be more organised and get in some uh, some demos and stuff. Yeah, plan like ahead of time, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, well, very, very, very good, Scott. Very good. Um, I Speaking of history, yeah. I have been playing a game set in the past. Oh, yeah? It's a game called Sniper Elite 5. You heard about the Sniper Elite games? Uh, they're World War Two games, right? Yeah, they're World War Two games where you play the the sniper and you're an elite being uh, a sniper. You're quite elite. As a sniper. Uh, the idea is they're sort of like stealth action games where your the objective is to take out uh, enemy soldiers and complete various objectives in these open worlds. Not open world, but in these like like fairly open sort of Hitman esque levels. I wouldn't thought this would be your type of game. Uh, I mean, I like Hitman, um, and. I like I like stealth games and also it was on game. But is this not like Hitman? But you can only snipe. You can no. You you've got other guns as well. It's, it's, so it's more. Oh, I see. Yeah. While you while you're traditionally a sniper, you 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 also have other weapons which you can use as well. So the idea is you're you're a World War Two soldier. It is the main character. Like well, in my family, we're all snipers. My dad's really disappointed, but I also <laughs> yeah, use like a yeah, pistol. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you basically play this guy. I don't know his name, but um, he's just sent, he's like an elite. He's sent in on these on these missions to you, get you to get shit done. Soldier. Essentially, yeah, or, but not in the traditional sort of like Halo sense. More in like no. a still a sort of sneaky sense. Like you're quite you know you're a bit you're a bit weak still. Um, it's fun. 
it's so it's you have these massive massive open levels which is really cool i've never played one of these before and so i wasn't really know sure what, what sure what to expect but you've got these massive levels and it always puts you at like the very edge of the level and then your objective is usually like in the very center of it like you have to break into this um this university or you break it break into like a castle and you have to steal some stuff you have to kill a guy and all the way through like leading up to it you've got tons of guards guarding the way which you've got to hopefully wait before I, before I, you go forward you are playing as one of the allies right I sh yeah you're against, you're the, not, you're, you're against you're the germans playing, you're not playing a, Ger a german sniper you're against you? the okay. germans i will say i'll okay. say that yeah. yeah yeah that's right you're you're an american and you work with british people um so it plots you in this little level and then you've got to sort of just make your way to the objectives. You know, fairly standard stuff, but it just all works so so well. It's all just super, super satisfying to play. Um, the way the, the soldiers move around is always like, you know ahead of time where they're going to be. Like you've got little binoculars where you can mark soldiers across the entire map. Like you could always just basically see from one end of the map to the other, which is just super... It looks really cool, you know. It's, it's, it's fairly well, like, well detailed. It's not like AAA, but it's... Probably like double A. Okay. <laughs> These don't mean anything anymore. Just is. I wish we just went back to A, B, and C games or whatever. But you know, it's um, it's it, it looks very nice and it's just it's very cool to just. <laughs> Enter these, enter these areas, these huge sort of Hitman-esque levels, and approach them uh, a, a number of different ways. It's, it's not like you can disguise yourself or anything. It's more, it's very much more action orientated. It's just how you sort of deploy that action. Um, <laughs> so, put a stealth action, a stealth aspect, and plan my approach. Very cool. I'm, I'm actually quite, I quite like that. It's not always sniping. Like you get to go sort of get up to get up close and personal with people you can just sort of melee them down or, or stab them if now, you want to when your character does melee is he elite in melee or is he just okay it's uh, a quick one and done so you, you can't just stand you don't get in, like fist fights or anything right. so, so you're you speaking, up, you're speaking up on someone and you're like stabbing them in the neck i've not tried to pacify them yet so i don't okay. know what is punching so, so, like. so the, the title of the game should it be a sniper elite fist fights okay yeah yeah absolutely Patrick. yeah uh, like, it's like a report card at school. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, my issue with these sort of games is that I'm not that patient. So I imagine, like, I think it has about eight levels in it, and if you're if you're rushing through, you'll probably get it done in, like, an hour each level. And you could probably spend a good three hours on each level meticulously planning your approach. And I think when you, like, each level has different missions, similar to what Hitman does, where you can go back and redo those levels in different ways, but I'm just sort of trying to go through the main game right now. And I'm not patient enough to just meticulously plan out and slowly work my way through. I always start out that way. I always start, like, at the edge of the map, like, oh, okay, there's an enemy, there's an enemy. I've got all these different enemies marked. I'm going to move in slowly. Um, every weapon you do, everything you do makes noise. And so you've got to choose your moments to shoot accordingly. There's a great bit in the, in the third level. There's a plane flying around this castle. And you can time your sniper shots with when the plane's overhead so that the enemies won't hear you shoot them. And, and that's just like a really cool way of, of the way that handles. But So I'm, in, I'm patient for those bits. And eventually I'm doing that for like half an hour. I'm slowly picking people off. And as soon as I get noticed once, I'm like, fuck it, here we go, all guns blazing. I just I just lose any sort of patience for stealth. Um And I think that's partly because as good of the game as the game is when you're being stealthy, if you mess up, it will just kind of chuck guards at you from nowhere. So it's not like there's a limited number of guards 
Or it certainly doesn't feel this way. It doesn't feel like there's a limited number of guards where if you take them all out, no more will come from you. It sort of just spawns some in because you've raised the alarm. And so they will just spawn more guards in after you, which I guess kind of makes sense in that if you raise an alarm, they, it should make it a bit more difficult because you fucked up. But it got to some points where anything I'd planned out ahead of time was completely wasted now. And any anything I tried to do to escape these guards would just cause more chaos. And it just, it just felt that it feels like there's moments where if I make a mistake, there's no way I can fix it. And so that becomes frustrating because suddenly I'm just on the back foot and then all stealth is out the window. Especially when you get to like the inner bits of the levels, there's no more sniping to be done because you're in quite close quarters. And so it gets a bit, that gets a bit frustrating. Um, one last cool thing about the game, and this, this happens in all the Sniper Elite games, is that if you get a particularly good shot, it will go slow motion and follow your bullets as it hits the enemy. And depending on what settings you've got on, it will either just show it hitting the enemy in slow motion, or you can have it so it does like an X-ray thing, sort of like Mortal Kombat X, where it takes away all their skin and shows every single bone or artery or something breaking in the body as the bullet passes through it and I had to turn it off one because it's disgusting and two I think my partner would have left me if I didn't turn it off she was like Cal that's just not it's just it's just it's just bad it just makes me feel look like a psychopath exactly um I guess that that's probably cool for some people but it does feel very weird when you're just taking joy out I get they're Nazis but you're still just taking joy out of your bullet just absolutely decimating the inside of someone's organs it's uh it's odd but good game sniper elite 5 it's a a lot a lot of fun it's it's a lot more fun than i was expecting it to be it's great it's on, it's really good it's on game pass it's um uh really great I'd, I'd, I'd recommend it that's game pass for pc and xbox Eurogamer gave it gave it an essential oh i know some other people weren't as kind but it seemed to be a bit hit and miss with, with people but i might download that now it's a, it's good shit, Scott. I think I think you would like it. Um, it's certainly good to just sort of dick around in, and I, the story is nothing. I have no idea what's going on because I skipped the cutscenes because I do not care about sort of just some bog standard World War Two. We've got to beat the Germans, bullshit. Well, you I, know the plot already. Exactly. I know the plot. I know there's no spoilers here because you know how World War Two ends. Um, I believe Hitler is in it as he as he is in every one of these, and I think you can shoot him in the testicles. His, well, he only has one. Left. Well, I think you can shoot that one, or oh. you can make it so he only has Eight, one. 85 gigabytes. It's a big 85. game. It's Honestly, once you get into it, these, these levels are massive, Scott. They're really big. It's really great. They're like so right. so detailed. Very, very well. It's very good. Maybe download it after the podcast so your internet doesn't go all weird. <laughs> uh, what's the next thing you've been doing? I mean, we both saw a movie. We did, did both did, see a movie. Do you want to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once? I'm happy to talk about that. Why do you, why do you get the ball rolling and I'll chip in with my with my opinions? Other, I mean, I'll first by say, start by saying it's really fucking good. Yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once is a... I guess being really successful. It's uh, one of those arty movies that has seemingly found success with a wider audience. Yes. Which is good. Because it's when I say it's arty, I mean genuinely it's like a well-considered, well-written, pretty well-shot film. It is, it is deserving of the, of the title artistic. It's not just sort of... Yes. Sometimes movies are like, oh, it has a few weird shots and therefore it must be cerebral. This one... Like, it's good. It has something to say, uh, but I'm not going to make out that also, like, it's an egghead film or whatever. It's No, it, I really it's very it. dumb at times. It's very, like, <laughs> in, in, well, in a way that it, it yeah. knows it's dumb. It's very, very... What I'm surprised about 
is how funny this film was. I wasn't like when I saw the trailer, I was expecting it to be weird. I, um, I would call I wasn't it an action ex- comedy. Yeah, I was not expecting it to be as funny as it was. As I suppose it makes sense because originally it was apparently written for Jackie Chan, but okay. it's yeah, that to give you a, that, oh, which makes it would have been good to see Jackie and Michelle Yeoh in a movie together. I don't know. I don't think it, I think Jackie Chan was meant to be the original, the main character. Oh, originally. Okay. I'm not sure if Michelle Yeoh was even meant to be part of it originally. Oh, that uh, said, shout out to uh, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, but Kei Hoi Kwan as uh, as Waymond. Great. Actress. Oh, so great. Yeah. So um, what, and, what's do you want to tell everyone the the, okay. the plot of this plot, the, the, plot the is, synopsis? I guess um, I'll give kind of a kind of the general theme. Uh, so Michelle Yeoh. Uh, plays this woman, um, we'll see, Chinese uh, immigrant woman to America, uh, you know, first generation immigrant. And she and her husband, yeah, runs a laundry shop in sort of Nowheresville, California. Um, And, you know, they're quite, they they, they own their own business, but they're quite poor. They've got um, problems uh, paying their taxes. That is, in fact, for this action comedy, a lot of the plot stems from like taxes and tax related matters. Um, but they but you know they're they're, they're barely making ends meet Uh, she's got her husband uh, Waymond who is supportive and a hard worker but he's kind of a bit passive Uh, yeah not not kind of like a a sweeping from a romantic kind of guy he's quite kind of timid Uh, and then she's also got her daughter uh, from whom she's kind of estranged. Uh, they they see each other, but like they they've got like a standoffish relationship. Um, the daughter's gay, uh, but the the mother's not so comfortable with that. Uh, the, the the grandfather, the mother's father, uh, is visiting or come to live with them from. I think China. he's come to live uh, with them yeah. uh, after he originally rejected his daughter from wanting to marry uh, Waymond. Yes. Um, back in um, I think it's implied Hong Kong. Uh, but they don't exactly say it. Um, yeah, so they so that they've kind of got that sort of odd family dynamic. Um, and but then one day, um, when on on this particular day where they've got to go to their kind of IRS office for a tax a meeting about their their impending tax bill and potentially tax fraud as well because yeah. they've like they've misfiled some stuff. Um, and also that, that evening they're having like a Chinese New Year party. Some odd things start happening. Mo- basically uh, the most important day for them that they could possibly yes, have. It's the important uh, day. Shit, uh, studies. And, um, and um, Waymond, the husband, uh, seems to change personality at times. He tells uh, Michelle Yeoh. I can't, what's Michelle Yeoh's character's name? I can't remember. <laughs> he tells Michelle Yeoh, like, I'm not your, I'm your husband from another dimension. Um, you know, we need you to help save the universe. Evelyn? You know, kind of, Evelyn, Evelyn. I think it's Evelyn. Tells Evelyn, you know, we need you to help save the multiverse. And like general kind of heroic, uh, kind of far out stuff like this. And and then we see a sort of a descent into that as things get more and more unreal. And, as she starts uh, and, reaching across the multiverse to just yes. sort of take these different abilities. So, so, so the sci-fi concept is... Um, there is kind of a prime universe where it all went wrong, where they figured out ways to jump into other universes. And what you can do is you can kind of switch places with yourself in another universe at various kind of levels of divergence from your own reality. And you can kind of have get all their experiences and therefore learn. So there's a, a version of you in another, in another universe if you like learn how to do karate. So you can kind of go into, you can get all their experiences and then you'll kind of have that knowledge. Um, and stuff so uh, but however doing this 
kind of created a monster. So this sort of multiverse hopping has created a monster um, that Evelyn uh, may have to stop and perhaps come to terms with her own familial relationships and life choices along the way. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's, it does some really imaginative things with the multiverse. Like, it's, uh, I think we've got a lot of multiverse stuff going on right now, and there's many different con- concepts of what that actually means. And this is maybe a, the one film I've seen which is just kind of having fun with it in a way that isn't just, here's a load of brands coming together. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, light on science, high on concept. Yeah, uh, massively high on concepts and high on incredible fun like it, it does so much of this yeah just, it gets inventive it gets um, it goes to some really fucking weird places and i love yeah, it i love it basically it's a descent into into insanity really as the the multiverse starts to truly fall apart around yeah. the nexus of this uh this one really the familial relationship because all the different families family members four family members have to uh rec- kind of come to terms with some things along the way yeah, absolutely. So it mixes, and it was good. It was very heartfelt. It, you know, I felt the it emotionally affecting. Uh, the relation, you know, all the performances is really good, and you get the a real palpable feeling um, of kind of uh, pathos that the Evelyn is having about her life choices, and yeah. um, and you know maybe her life isn't so exciting, but maybe you know is that good or bad, etc. And I don't want to spoil too much. I will say. Um, probably the movie ran a bit too long we didn't need so many cuts back to other multiverses there Maybe were, were some there were some no i i think i'm while while i always found certain multiverses funny some of them the joke sort of was just repeated a few times but there is like, a multiverse, okay i, I get it is, there is one universe which is a parody of ratatouille essentially yeah. and, 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 you know and what didn't need to- i actually disagree i want that i wanted as much of that as possible. That's the one where I was like, we can go back to this as many times as you All want. Right. You, you and didn't I will need always hot dog dimension too much. No, the hot dog dimension I think was overused a little bit. But um, right. I don't want to. Spo- I don't want to um, spoil too many of these dimensions because it yeah. does some really okay. cool stuff with them. Uh, and you liked it as well. And you're not even big into art films. I don't really care about art films, although uh, you know it's 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 or art film in general. Which, or art, yeah, if I, if if you could just give me something to just distract my mind for a bit, that's usually enough, <laughs> um, which I'll be talking about more in a second. Uh, um, I I had a really great time of it. I went to see it with my partner, yeah. and she described it as one of her favorite movies ever. Yeah, it was good. Uh, also, shout out stars um, from. Uh, I think you should leave. Detective Crash Moore slash Santa Claus. Yeah, that was a really great little <laughs> I mean, bit of just like, uh, oh, well, uh, he's uh, here, I guess. I mean, that guy is like an actual actor as well. Like, yeah, of course he's I an will, actual actor. I, I, do, I do think of him as a Detective Crash Moore from them. Um, it's reason, amazing you could call... typecast someone from a, yeah. one sketch. And for that reason, I would call this movie a cosmic gombo. <laughs> yeah yeah i i had i had so such a great time with it i think it was it was really great right. um big big fan go see everything everywhere all at uh, once if you can don't I, well, I, I, it's funny to me that it came out at the same time as dr strange in the multiverse of madness uh which for all for all, as far as i'm aware i don't know i don't watch marvel stuff anymore i believe it does not is not that imaginative with the multiverse Whereas this indie film very much is. Um, I, I've not, okay, so Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, I've not seen it, but it's one of a few Marvel films I've been interested in seeing in a while because it's directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah, but this is Sam Raimi. I, 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 find, I feel like any time Marvel gets like a 
like a someone like a, a fan favorite director on anymore i feel like it's just it's still just marvelized version of whatever they they usually do yeah it's not like it's not like he gets it's not like he gets to just let loose and do the sam raimi thing it still has to be a marvel movie first and foremost um like you look at the the eternals which had a, a quite a successful indie director on on that and yeah. it, and then it just tur- turns out to just be this it's, standard uh, it's what's his name um what am i blanking on this guy's name uh Wait, for the, for the directing ant-man again oh yeah exactly yeah although he didn't actually end up directing that no because um well creative differences you know yeah, yeah. creative differences all right crazy differences uh, Cal- being they wanted him to make a marvel movie and he didn't really <laughs> want to make that well Cal, tell us what have you been watching to distract you from your life choices i've been playing something else to distract okay. from my life choices <laughs> um so speaking of, of games or, or things which have no real depth and are just right. distractions, uh, I I loaded up Diablo Immortal, which... Can I pause it an alternate kind of uh, intro for this game? Uh, yeah. I know what you're going to say, but yeah, let's, let's well, do it. No, so, so I think Diablo I agree Immortal, with you. Diablo Immortal uh, is banned in... Um, Belgium and the Netherlands. Well, it's not banned, but they legally cannot release it uh, because it contains uh, loot boxes. And you know what else? There's there's a brand cow of um, a varnish that I spray varnish that I use. Well, I used to use for model painting um, to spray varnish. And but it was unfortunately before the it was unfortunately banned in the EU uh, simply because they thought that the formula might cause some kind of cancer. And even though in Britain we've taken back control, I still cannot buy it. Um, in in Britain, but I'm just saying the EU banned that brand of varnish because they were concerned about the health effects of its uh of its solvent formula. They were concerned it might give you some form of cancer. And similarly, playing Diablo Immortal is a lot like having some form of cancer. <laughs> yeah, like just like you will still get that varnish because it's what you how you want to to do your painting. <laughs> I I'm down I know- to my last tin. I'm down oh no! Oh, what are you going to yeah. do after that? Um, I guess I'm just going to use the water-based varnish through my airbrush, which is probably better for me. I felt it uh, right to, at the very least, check out this Diablo Immortal, um, which is Blizzard's uh, free-to-play Diablo game for phones. This is the, do you not have? Do phones you not? Game? Don't you guys have phones? Remember, so they had oh, a, you, desa- you, they had you, a disastrous. Well, no, I have a tablet. Um, so oh, that's, right. I, I did buy a tablet recently for 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 part, Diablo Immortal. Partly for for games for games that are coming out. I I feel like my my like my video game knowledge is very limited when it comes to like mobile games. And from what I understand, there there is some people doing some fairly interesting stuff in that space these days. A lot of it is just gacha shit, which uh, which Diablo Immortal very much comes under. But I think there's some interesting stuff which I didn't really want to miss out on, so I got I got myself a, a decently priced tablet um, to sort of give this sort of stuff a go. But Diablo Immortal, Blizzard's foray into uh, making their Diablo game on mobile and definitely not PC, apart from they've also released it on PC. It is. Do you remember Diablo three? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, imagine if you made a roller coaster version of Diablo three, where it's oh. less open, uh, less sort of exploration, and more just straight to the running from A to B, fighting enemies, getting loot, and that's basically what this game is. All of the characters and all of the setting the scenarios look like Diablo three. It plays like Diablo 3. I'm playing a monk, which I also played in Diablo 3, and he feels exactly the same as he did in Diablo 3. So it's just Diablo 3 
except it's, I guess I could call it Diablo free ish. Free to oh, Diablo free to you mean play. A game that came out like eleven years ago. Yes, that's right. Or uh, when did Diablo three come out? Uh, oh, it's a while ago though. Was it eleven years? And nine? Two, oh it, no, fifteenth of May two thousand and twelve. So it was actually only ten years ago. There you go, ten, but, ten years ago. Yes. But it's fun that Blizzard are still re-releasing basically the same game, but with less features. It's basically exactly the same game, but it, but they uh, to be fair, they've done some smart things to make it work on mobile. Um, you've got little footsteps that little footsteps that point you like in the direction you need to go, so you can't really get lost in these sort of things. But it does lose some of that open-ended experience. It still feels good. But that's because Diablo 3 feels good to play. I feel like by that point, they've kind of... They knew exactly what sort of things to do to hit press the buttons in your head that makes a, a, a loot game feel good to play. You know, the, the combat feels good. The, there's some good sound effects as your punches and weapons and things hit stuff. The way weapon, like stuff flies out of the, the crates, the treasure chests, you know, with a well, sort of noise, noise uh, effect. Apart, apart from giving you satisfying loot, uh, that's the main thing that they didn't do. Uh, well, well, that's not strictly true. Uh, so, the, in are you saying Diablo three doesn't have satisfying loot? Diablo three, yeah. I, 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 I like. I mean, I, Diablo three is like the Diablo game I've played the most. I think the loot gets very samey later on, apart from just getting numbers going up. But yep. for the first playthrough, you get you get some cool stuff, and then you just get samey after that. But that's the same with any sort of loot game, I think. Um, it runs okay on mobile i mean my tablet's fairly new but i can only run it at a maximum of 30 frames per second and on lower settings so like it's a beefy game you're going to need some top end sort of mobile hardware in order to get it looking particularly good but even on the sort of medium settings you've managed to switch it up to it looks quite muddy um but it runs it runs well enough. Like it's at no point was I ever stuck playing it. And then playing it on PC, it's just like an upscaled version of that mobile game. So it doesn't look as good as Diablo 3, but it's the PC version is currently in beta, so maybe that will improve. Um it's it's partly an MMO. I know Diablo was always multiplayer, but in this game, you like you do the, the tu- tu- tutorial thing, it's like all instance, and then suddenly you enter a town and it's just there's other players running around and you're in like a public... It's like Baron's chat all over again, but people just talking nonsense over and over, which was really weird to see. Uh, I don't think I can get rid of the chat either. So it's just it's kind of always there, which I found really weird. And I wish I could just get rid of that because I'm not interested in playing this game with a bunch of other people running around. When I'm fighting enemies out in the open and other people are just fighting their own invis- invisible enemies because they're in their own instance, but you can still see them. It's It's... It's odd. It's like a it's like a roller coaster MMO with just no real exploration. But I do often get a sort of Diablo itch, and I don't own Diablo three for PC or for new consoles or anything. I only own it for PS four. So it's sort of like scratch that Diablo itch for just to quickly jump in and I've played a few hours of it. I don't. I don't. I probably play a little bit more like as a sort of like distraction thing. But in terms of like playing it for real, don't I don't think so. But just a little scratching that itch, it's it's good for that. Which then brings us to the problems. Um, it's got some fucking shit as hell monetization. Yeah. It's got monetization up the wazoo. Uh, it's got a battle pass. It's got loot boxes. It's got three kinds of currency. Um, which 
honestly, it chucks this stuff up in your face as part of a tutorial. There's like three different kinds of dungeons you can do, or rifts, I suppose they're called. There's like a... Uh, I forget the name the name of them because honestly, every cutscene, every little thing, we're just trying to explain a bunch of shit of me. I skipped because I don't care for any of that stuff. If you can't teach me how to play a game in a way that isn't just me reading menus over and over, I'm skipping that shit. I'll learn it on my own. Um, but like, it, it feels like there's it's constantly just chucking currency and stuff up at you, which is I I don't know. I've I've played mobile games which aren't as upfront with it. like I've played gacha games which aren't as upfront with this sort of thing. But Diablo Immortal is like the opposite side of that, where it very much wants to let you know, hey, you can spend money on this. You should be spending money on this. Uh, there's dungeons in the game which uh, you to get different kind of loot from them, you have to put in these gems which like amend parts of dungeon, like add extra challenge to dungeon or add like certain percentages of like this type of enemy does more damage. And uh, you can get regular gems in the course of gameplay, but to get the really good shit, the legendary gems, you have to spend money on those. And then you'll maybe get some, like the loot is still random after that. So it's sort of like paying to have extra chances of loot, which is almost worse than just paying to get the loot. I get that that's sort of the point of the game is the idea is you're meant to be like earning this loot and sort of fighting your way through it. But I, I feel it feels very scummy. It feels... It, well, um, it's very I, much... Someone calculated, it, didn't they, uh, how much money you'd have to spend if you wanted the, the optimal, the best set of people gear. People always... Game. I mean, to be fair, people always calculate this sort of stuff it, for it any sort figures. of... figures. Yeah, it, it, it's six figures. Uh, and that's if you wanted to pay to get the best stuff in the game, which I think any any game with real you, like real money comes out, they, people do those calculations. So I'm not sure how much that actually matters. Or but, you could grind for ten years of real time. Yeah, if you yeah yeah absolutely. Um, and that's the ten years like constant. Yeah, of of play time, ten years. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a that seems the sort of stuff that they would maybe change over time like that like when a game launches you just have all the heinous shit up front to try and get as much money as possible which is shit as hell um i mean i'll say that you can play this game i've played for hours like hours at this point and i've not spent any money it doesn't make it any better that at the end game the people who are really committed to that game are the but ones they're really though, be pushing for the money with you, it. You've not spent any money, but you're not the target market, right? Exactly. Yes. So, so like you're you you don't have a problem with like um, gambling or anything. No. But that I know of. That you but, know that you know of. Uh, I do have a but, problem but, with but, playing you know, these free to play games apparently, but never spending any yeah, money on them. So, apart from Fortnite, point, I spend money. But on monetization Fortnite. is pretty heinous from what I've seen. Oh yeah, it's bad. There's it's like hor- three types of currencies. Yeah, that's, yeah, so that's the three types of currencies. You've got the basic currency, which is what you earn in the game and gets you some sort of just basic weapons and armors and stuff. Then you've got the sort of mid-paid-for currency, which gets you the the gems, and then the top currency, which I think gets you cosmetics. I, I don't know. Like, like I said, I've anyway. not looked at all the way through it, but it's um, it's bad. It's, it's very much preying on the people who... Uh, do get into this sort of stuff and want to pay pay more money for it, but at the same time, that's what any sort of uh, bad industry does. That's that's what alcohol does. That's what cigarettes do. You know, it's it's yeah, all those things are bad as well. Of course they are. That's what that's what I mean. But uh, but, but I, the I do things, I do think alcohol, these things can the exist. And cig- the alcohol and cigarette industries are regulated. Quite they are, yes. For, and this, for this, and this exact, very much for this exact reason. This very much should be as well. I, I will say and that's enjoy why this game. this game isn't sold in Belgium and the Netherlands. Yeah. Because it does not, it does not fulfil their their loot box laws. I think you can enjoy this sort of thing if you're just willing to just dip in 
and just have some sort of Diablo itch scratch like me. If you're someone who, like, like I say, with a lot of free to play games, if you're someone who knows that when it comes to spending money on digital shit, you're you're quite weak willed to that sort of thing. Stay up, stay up, honestly. It will shove it right in your face, um, and that is, that is not. This it's, stuff it's annoying. To be regulated, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, of course it does. I, I, that's not even an opinion at this point, right? It, it absolutely needs to be regulated. I don't know what we need to do to get that to happen. It felt like for a, for a moment, it felt like there was a lot of push with like regulation, this sort of thing, and like there was talking like different UK courts, for example, of regulating loot boxes, and it feels like that's died down a bit now. Maybe because we've got other things that have sort of taken the forefront, mm. but. Maybe we need another heinous example. To this, I mean, we we need. Well, so well, what we need is someone like what we need is someone to really suffer from this in order well, to get it to like be regulated. Again. Like EU countries are currently reviewing their legislation, so let's hope. Okay, that well, that's good then. Regulation. I would love to see versions of these games once regulation forces companies to to fucking stop being massive massive dicks. I would like. Well, I would quite like to play this game. I, I I get that it's always going to have, even with regulation, it's going to have some sort of currency with it, within it because otherwise it wouldn't be free to play. Um, I would like to see the condensed version of this because I I think ultimately there's a good Diablo game within this, but it's completely bogged down by the monetization stuff. I I would say they already made a good Diablo game without monetization, and it was called Diablo Two, and it came out in two thousand and one. <laughs> There's a great article actually on Polygon. I think it's Polygon, uh, talking about how th- this sort of this this game showed them that actually this sort of monetization is where loot games were heading all along. Like th- this is what you loot games have always have been. It just the 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 stuff for monetization hasn't been there in the past. Um, I, I'll, I'll find a little. I'll, I'll put a link in the bio of this podcast. But it's good to read that and sort of see. This is kind of what Diablo has always been. Um, just now with real world money so Diablo Immortal out well, of bones and PC it's there's a difference it's a con- between it's a condensed Diablo price experience. and having a game with those kind of mechanics in and then having a game that will use those mechanics to get more money out of you well absolutely yeah yeah I, I think they meant in terms of like recognising their enjoyment of it but um, yeah it's it's a shame that stuff ruins it because otherwise I think it's a fairly Decent, a decent mobile version of Diablo Three that I'll probably put some more time into, just as like a, as a, what can I do while I'm doing something else kind of game, you know. How are you uh, a homeowner and I'm not? <laughs> I, I, do every, I do everything. Everything. I don't right. spend money on these games. I don't spend I do that everything money. Everything right. <laughs> I mean, I'm a homeowner. And you homeowner play all the through, capture games. I, I'm a homeowner through luck, I suppose. We don't need to get into that. Um, I've, not, I've not earned my home. That's that's for sure. <laughs> okay. So uh, and not. Yo, no, absolutely. You, there, there is nothing to look at with me and be like, oh, he's got it all. He's got it all together because I did not earn this. Um, it might look the... like I have it all, but the truth is, inside this man is a little boy who never <laughs> learned how to how to not play gacha games. <laughs> Hey, like three gacha games got announced at the game at the uh, the uh, Games <laughs> Fest yesterday, and I'm probably going to play all of them. Um, what's the? You've done something else this this. All right, time. I've read book. I've read Fulgrim Horus Heresy book five by. How many books is that this oh. year now? Um, oh, this is quite a few. I'm on a big audiobook train. I'm on a big big audiobook oh, train. Good. So I've I've listened to quite a few by Graham McNeil. 
So that's Fulgrim. Warhammer 40,000 Fulgrim. Well, the Horus Heresy is not in the 40,000 universe. It's in Horus Heresy. Oh, it's pre-40,000, isn't it? It's like 39,500. No, it's 30,000. It's 10,000 years before. All right, so I've talked about um, Horus Heresy books before. This is the next one. This is kind of the last one uh, that is really properly like a direct continuation of the, the, the first set. And even then, this book goes back and kind of does some stuff, some prequel stuff. So... Big long book series. The first four are kind of in sequence, and Fulgrim starts before all the other books, but then it's going to finish up afterwards, like the next big plot thing in the Heresy storyline. I okay. wanted to like this one, but I do feel it was a bit too long. It was a lot longer. It was a sixteen-hour audiobook, uh, and I felt like it was a lot longer. That's than long. The other ones. It is how many pages long. was that? Uh, Does it tell you how many uh, pages it uh, is equivalent to? No, it doesn't tell you. No, it doesn't tell you how many pages okay. it actually is. Um, but it's you know it's longer than the others. Uh, but I felt like it outstayed its welcome in parts. To give you a reference, it starts out before the other books that have come before it, uh, but it only gets to the the new stuff in the fine the, the final fifth part five of the book, which is okay, right. It kind of feels like it's treading some old ground. Like it goes into a lot more detail. It's about the Emperor's Children Legion, who are a, a legion of space marines who will start out as very prim and proper. They're they're all about perfection. They're all about carefully, uh, kind of orchestrated tactics and being sort of uh, martially superior. But they they get corrupted by chaos. Uh, specifically, the chaos goes slanesh and become all about excess and kind of super, uh, arrogance. And um, and looking down on other people. So that's kind of their story arc. How these kind of very prim and proper uh, sort of legionnaires uh, descend into uh, into excess. Right, okay. And it does get there. It goes into some... The thing is, we've already kind of seen that in some of the previous books. Like, we got... We kind of... I feel like we kind of got the important parts in previous books. Because in previous books, you've got the 10th Company, Saul Tarvitz, Eidolon, Lucius, all those characters that we love or love to hate and they we were love them. all involved all involved in the main action um i like everyone loves Saul Tarvitz. he's a good character and lucius uh, and can't I forget lucius i can't forget you lucius poor sweet lucius uh but they're, they're involved best. in the main if not do i want about they're involved in like the main action they're interacting with all the other characters and fulgrim takes you to kind of um, some, some of the characters who are away from the main plot and going into a bit of how the Emperor's children get so corrupted. But, spoiler, they go onto a weird planet, they find a weird artefact, and that artefact starts speaking to, to the Fulgrim, the Primarch. So I Fulgrim's hate when that Primarch. happens. Yeah, and I feel like we've kind of seen this plot before. Some some Primarch finds a weird artefact which, which talks to them a bit and they go a bit mad. Um, Wait, I think that's in Primarch. So all the Space Marine Legions, they've got a Primarch who is like, they're the genetically engineered sons of the Emperor, uh, the self-proclaimed Emperor of humankind. And and all the Space Marines are genetically, uh, they use the gene seed of a Primarch to kind of create the Legions. So there's a lot of kind of gene craft, weird science gene craft going on. Right, okay. So Fulgrim is a Primarch of the Emperor's Children and he finds a, a freaky sword and the sword starts talking to him. The thing is, Fulgrim's not a very interesting character. 
All right. None of the Primarchs are really. What I want, and I've said this before from more seriously books, is like human perspectives. You want to see relatable humans and how they view this big sci-fi world with these kind of genetically engineered super soldiers and these Primarchs who are kind of godlike beings. And it's, it's interesting to see that from a down-to-earth human perspective. But Empress um, Fulgrim has a bit too much Primarch point of view. I'm okay mm. with having some full grim point of view, but it's a bit too much and also a bit too much space ring point of view as well. I do feel like we've um they introduced several side characters who kind of exist to just um fall a bit to chaos and then go, that's a bit freaky, isn't it? And then they die. <laughs> well that just happened. Uh, so I'd much rather catch up with Solomon and Saul Tarvitz down on this van than catch up with whatever Fulgrim's doing. Uh, in his wars, well, but I don't want to be. Solomon. I don't want to be too hard on this book. Uh, I like large parts of it. There are some good mortal characters. You have some cool remembrances. Uh, the Emperor's children are wed into their artists, so they they recruited a bunch of human artists to make uh, you know pre- uh, kind of deify the Emperor's children and their art and of course the artists get caught up in all this as well and I really like the encounter Fulgrim has an encounter with like an elf space wizard on, on planet right. that's alright uh, Eldrad Uthwan I can, I can see Eldrad getting a bit annoying as the books go on I'll tell we'll have updates later did I get annoyed by Eldrad but he was alright did <laughs> make a note of it now listeners did Scott get annoyed <laughs> by Eldrad Uthwan the elf space wizard Look, what sort of voice does Eldred have? uh, He has an old man voice. No, annoyed by him. He he is like a wizard. Give it a rest, face wizard. Give me, give give me this face wizard. That's like, hello, I'm Eldred or Frank, the space (laughs) wizard. I'm here to help you defeat the space marines. This is my um, my punishment for making fun of you during Final Fantasy talk, isn't it? Because this is what it's like. This is what it's like like when you talk about Final (laughs) Fantasy. I'm talking about. I like it. I like hearing it. All I'll say is, it was they had a lot of interesting stuff, some cool background. I it didn't feel very weighty because they get to the next big part of the plot. So for what's happened is Horus, he's like the war master. He's the head of like the cru- like all the legions. He's fallen to chaos, and he's like conspired mm-hmm. to in the previous books on Istvan Three, uh, this planet. They've kind of set up this trap where they're going to purge all the loyal elements of their legion. So all the people who are still loyal to the Emperor all get betrayed and purged on Istvan 3. And that was the conclusion do of I, the last book. Do I need to have landed on Istvan 1 and 2 before getting to Istvan 3? Uh, no, that's fine. Istvan 1 and 2, there's nothing interesting happened there. Oh, okay. Nor on Istvan 4. But Istvan oh, 5 is the next big plot point. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But anyway, the Battle of Istvan 3 felt really epic because most of um, the book that includes Istvan 3 is about that. And you get, and it really is the conclusion of that first arc. You have these characters who you spent like three books worth with. They come together and they either go traitor or they stay loyal and they have a confrontation. And it feels really epic. This book encounters the next major part of the plot, which is the drop site massacre on Istvan 5, where four three loyal legions get betrayed uh by by the remaining traitor legions and kind of massacred so that that's a major part of the plot however it gets resolved in like two chapters so whereas book three spent most of that book on the battle of Istvan three fulgrim is like all right and they charge into battle and then they got betrayed and then they spent a lot of time fighting but they did all die 
The end. One Piece, which I'm reading right now, the bit I'm onto right now, just spent 70 chapters on one battle. Uh, those chapters yeah. come out once every two weeks. Oh, uh, so God. that was that was like three years yeah. being spent on this one battle. Wow. Uh, I, so I would have liked more focus on the next major part of the story because mm. while it's interesting to get background on the Emperor's Children, it does retread parts of the plot uh, that we've seen before. Uh, this is also the, the book where at the end... Um, spoiler, Horus is the, the main villain is basically like, okay, we've done, no, we've we've taken out several of our enemies and now the way is clear. We're going to go to Earth and we're going to defeat the Emperor for the final battle. I'm going to Earth. And then 50 books later, he gets to Earth. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. So it kind of feels like this, you know, you've got, you had 50 books remaining in your series games, but you couldn't have a bit more about the, the battle at Isfan 5. You couldn't dedicate a bit more time to that. Like you, it's not like these books are limited in how long they can be, <laughs> right? You could hey, just well, yeah, spend more time. Anyway, um, so Fulgrim, it was alright. I wanted to like it more. It was, it wasn't my favourite of what I've read so far, but it's kept me. It's still enjoyable. I'm reading on. I'm, um, I'm enjoying the book I'm currently reading, which I might have a report about next time. Final note: Games Workshop. Before you start recording like your 50-part novel series in audiobook form, please make a pronunciation guide for your narrators because nah. the narrators, they change from book to book and they're, they're all quite talented, but it's quite disconcerting when they start pronouncing a character's name differently. Because surely the narrators are asking these questions beforehand. Well, you or do they, so. direct, do you reckon they don't? They just wing it? Uh, I don't know. I may, maybe I don't know what the setup is. For I suppose I don't. Yeah, I suppose I'm thinking in terms of like voice acting because that always you typically yeah. have a director who's sort of you telling you how you yeah. should say certain things. Maybe narrators are literally just sent a book and say, "Hey, read this in a good way." So get it, get it back to us in like two. It, weeks. it might depend on who you're working with. Yeah. Uh, well, that sucks. That'd really that'd really uh, take me out. I find that really annoying. Hmm. Okay, that's that's Horus. That's Paul. Fulgrim? Fulgrim. Horus Heresy, book five. Very good. I've been watching some new anime, so it's time for an anime oh my God. roundup. Okay. Uh, I'll start with the big one, which is Spy Family or Spy X Family. Um, the, 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 the plot of this is it's about a spy named Lloyd Forger who builds a fake family to successfully achieve a mission that requires him to take down his target, Donovan Desmond, a man who desires to start a deadly war between the East and West. So it's Cold War times. Um, the family Lloyd builds, though, is not what it seems. So the way the way he's going to get to Donovan Desmond is by sending a, a child to school and hopefully getting taken into this school's little secret society where he'll be able to take him out. Um, so he adopts a daughter uh, named Anya and he marries a woman uh, called... Um, Yor. Um, and what's, what happens with this is that none of the characters know each other's secret identity. So Lloyd is a spy. Yor, it turns out, is a secret assassin. And Anya is this cute little telepath girl. And Anya's the only one who knows everyone's secrets. And so it's constantly playing off of that, how she knows that, like, her dad, her new dad's a spy, her new mum's an assassin, and she thinks that's really cool, but she just knows that she needs to try really hard to get into this, to get to, to do well at this school. And it's just this really cute, sweet, funny, and kick-ass anime 
about a a, a found family dynamic um, who sort of slowly start to to actually love each other and start to care for each other, even though they've each got their own little missions to, to, to take care of. It's also fucking funny. Anya is one of the best characters in anime uh, of all time. She is so good in like every single scene she's in. Um, it's it's great. Also, Lloyd and Yor, their parents are super hot. Spy Family, very, very, very good. Well. Nine nine episodes out so far. Uh, it's It's honestly incredible some of the best stuff i've seen in a long time and then the other one i've been watching is a show called love after world domination it's a romance comedy and the premise basically is what if the leader of the power rangers fell in love with the leader of the villains um so it okay it's uh it follows basically the power rangers leaders it's a group of five uh power rangers type characters called the gelato five you've got red green yellow pink fucking I forget, blue i think is the last one um okay. and it just it just follows the leader of that and the leader of the villains trying to hide their relationship while also doing their jobs as superheroes slash super villains that's pretty fun yeah it's a lot of fun it's very very funny it's very sweet as well it's got some good fight scenes in, it. in japan that's it yes yeah, it's, it's a super sentai show but romance it's um very funny very very good uh, well-written characters that's again is i think it's about 10 episodes in maybe a little bit less in right now a lot of fun it's what i'm enjoying otherwise we're watching one piece uh so we're we're Still, 100 and, that, and you will be for the next several years we're about 150 episodes oh no 165 episodes in now uh we're in the skypea arc which is where where luffy and the gang goes to the sky island in the sky uh, to try and find the city of gold. It's that's the what that One Piece anime does a real good job of hitting the beats of the of the manga, albeit with a slightly worse pace. Because week on week anime, a lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah, that like that's that's released every single week a new episode. Madness. That's the anime I've been watching. You've got some painting to talk about before we go into the news. Yeah, so, uh, by the way. I, I really don't know if anyone actually likes these painting like sections. I, I because it hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, it's an entirely uh, visual thing in an audio format. But um, tell me about what you've been painting, Scott. <laughs> if you if you don't like the I, painting bit, skip forward like five minutes. But I do that. I, I do want to list it because it is like the major nerd and or geek thing I do. Yes, which is painting and it's always on the I've it's always paint- on the Nerd no Geek Instagram page. That's all that's on that Nerd no Instagram page. So go check that I've out been if you want to see a lot of Star Wars Legion. Yeah, my 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 droid army for Star Wars Legion is coming together, and that's mostly what I've been painting. So uh, you can see here, Cal, you've got some battle droids on some bikes, some their stap riders. You might remember those. Their, I remember blue, these blue stripes again from. The PS1 video game Star Wars Jedi Power Battles. They yes, that was so good. That oh, you well played Jedi Power Battles. Ah, oh, no. Yeah, it's great. That's cool. All right, that's what I remember these guys from, and now they're here in model form. Yeah, they're pretty good. I never got gun- past the second stage of that. I always I re- replayed over and over the the opening stage, which I think is just in the uh, the sort of like spaceship. And then the second stage has you running through a forest with some things that can crush you. And I always struggle with that. 
Um, I've got Darth Maul. He's cool. Big thing with his Sith throw throws. Yeah, it's cool. Um, looks pretty good. Um, Does look pretty good. So, some more droid specialists and some uh, some crazier droids. Some weirder, kookier droids that aren't just B1s. You, you got the background droids. Like who's sort of in yeah, it for like a flash droids. of a few yeah. seconds to make the world feel more alive. Yeah, and they can they be in my game for a few seconds. Yeah, they, they can just for a few and seconds. Then, and then I finally finished uh, a Warhammer model that's been on my bench for ages. Chaos Sorcerer and Order Manticore. This is like a goofy old model. This is an old, old sculpt. It's been around, I think, for like 20 years and still being sold. Uh, I got this as part of a bundle. It's very cool. Uh, it's, I thought... So I was kind of a bit depressed about this because I was like, it's kind of a janky sculpt. I don't... I wasn't that enthusiastic to paint it. But then I thought, oh, it looks a bit rubbish. But I think it came out looking all right. No, I quite like it. I think I think it's got a cool... Uh... I mean, it looks a, it's a bit generic in terms of just like this hooded, caped figure on top of like a winged manticore type thing. But I that think was it's, Warhammer I think Fantasy it's, for you. I think it's uh, excessive Sorry, in the Warhammer right kind Fantasy of fan. in the right kind of way. Um, I like the I like its yellow mane. It's got going on. Got some good spikes and teeth. I like a spiky figure. Yeah, I've realised. I quite like right, figures with that, spikes. That's my quick painting update. Good. I like it. Check those out on the Nerd and Geek Instagram page, which Scott will upload to. Yeah, Soon. I definitely will. Uh, news then. We've got quite a bit of news to get through, so we'll, we'll, we'll smash through some of this. You well, sent me a me link... more about One Piece. You sent me a video of a a, a sort of short thing about what's it, happening it was in the live-action One Piece. This is about One Piece. Cal likes One Piece. He'll probably Oh, right, this. okay. Uh, so what's being done for the live-action One Piece uh, series is they are recreating the ships from the anime, but like they're building actual physical sets for them. So these are ships that are in it for all of like one episode, but they're recreating these massive life-sized physical ships in just incredible detail. And it's, uh, it's fucking great. I I kind of love that. I sort of just expected them to just CG the ships and then just have some like basic sets in the, uh, for them to walk around on, but they're really just fully, building all of the ships from scratch and that's um that sure is some dedication for a show that's going to get cancelled after one season that's that's yeah. the netflix way isn't it like i feel like netflix maybe is cancelling can, everything right now maybe you can buy those sets cal when they're maybe honestly i this video just shows just how much detail they're putting into these things like it just the, the craftsmanship going on here for these massive ship sets is is incredible um, I am cautiously optimistic about this show. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to cover the most boring part of One Piece before things actually get interesting. I mean, One Piece is always interesting, but the opening of that show is very much a sort of like laying down grand ground rules. And that's where this season takes place before things get really good. Uh, so it's going to be a shame that this is going to be like just cancelled after one season. And Are you going to watch it? Are you going to watch the build up with no payoff? Pardon? Are you going to watch it when it's all build up and no payoff? I mean, there is there is payoff to individual stories told in this sort of like opening bits. Um, most of One Piece is like payoff to stuff that's sort of in the background, and then you get payoff to it like years later. But I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'll, maybe others surprise me. And they'll they'll uh, renew it after a first season, but I just don't think that's what Netflix are doing right now, especially when they're building every single fucking ship that shows up in that show. And there's a lot of them because it's a pirate show set at sea. So 
we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, Summer Games Fest happened, uh, and I'm not going to go into every announcement that happened at the Summer Games Fest. That was that was happened yesterday when we're recording this on we're recording this on the Friday. Happened on the Thursday. There were some interesting things announced. What was weird is that like every other game announced was a spaceship Dead Space esque horror survival game. Like they they announced like eight of them. There's just a lot of horror survival spaceship games being made. For you some you know the scene in in Futurama where they 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 go to the TV network that's run by robots and they're like this is the robot that's programmed to make skating decisions based on random dice rolls and he rolls the dice and says game shows are back I I imagine that but for like game developers yeah they're like spe- Dead, Dead Space, Space is horror back. games are back yeah <laughs> we're we've got we're making Dead Space again um a Call of Duty was shown but what what was this, what was especially <laughs> weird to me with this is the the ratio. And this is a this is like the big the big game show for the year, and the majority of games shown were like indie games, which maybe just sort of goes to show just how much this pandemic has kind of yeah. fucks you, you AAA developers. Has to deal with like games publishers increasingly even more so bundling all their money into one like game that they think will print money. Yeah, I, th- I mean, you, you, yes, in a way, definitely. Um, AAA development right now is just kind of fucked and indies are having to pick up the release schedule. It's good that it means that indies like- get a time to shine, but it sort of just shows how unsustainable constantly making the biggest game ever is when yeah. all you can ever do about it is announced today. Like, like fucking um, both of Bethesda's games, which are meant to, so Starfield was meant to release in November this year. That's been delayed, or it might be October. I don't know. Uh, Red Four is meant to be released this year. That's been delayed. Halo got delayed for you know until for fucking ages. I feel like every big game that has was meant to come out this year or even last year has been delayed again to next year. So anyone who's bought a new console, like me, has kind of just been sat like waiting for the big thing to happen. You chump. You um, absolute chump. Okay, kind of, but it's like, I I think it's just really showing the fact that right like nowadays, AAA development just cannot sustain any kind of regular releases. You can't base your like console strategy around that, and you can't base your game buying around that. There was a whole thing a couple of weeks ago before we recorded the last podcast, which I didn't actually get into, of how people were like mass unsubscribe. It became like a Twitter trend of people unsubscribing from Game Pass because it didn't have enough new big games on it and game pass has, has a lot of value and a lot of stuff i play on game pass right now are the smaller games that i wouldn't necessarily have tried otherwise partly because they're there i subscribe to it i might as well but also they're right there is no real big games coming out on game pass because there's no real big games coming out anywhere yeah like sniper elite 5 i was I saying is- to you like it feels like nothing has come out since march Exactly. I mean, it's things have. I've been playing games, but I can't remember that. Like, I think the last big game I played, I don't know if, if Pokemon counts because that still feels like a sort of like reduced experience in a way. But um, I, it's, I, like the last big game I played was Horizon Forbidden West, and you know what? Kirby. It was fine. It was it was fine. The best games I've played this game like so far this year are games like Ollie Ollie World, Grapple Dog, these independent games which are just fun, straight, game-playing games. You know, they're not some massive 
biggest game ever thing that just is falling over under its own weight. Um, and I don't know what developers do going forward. Is this going to say to developers, hey, maybe you should try and do some smaller games? Because I thought like the point of Game Pass for Microsoft was they're going to release some sort of like B games, like, like that Gears of War turn-based strategy game. They released that and then basically did no more B games after that. Like they've got the Minecraft games, I suppose, but otherwise they're still very much focused on the big, heavy, biggest game ever versions of their, of their games. Yep. When, like, surely now is the time to maybe experiment with smaller stuff, especially in light of the pandemic and, and how much that's put... You'd think so. Back. Yeah. So I don't but know. Um, game, when have games publishers been, like, long, far-sighted? Exactly, yeah. I mean, I don't know. The, the next big game to come out on PS5 is going to be... I, I couldn't tell you. I, like, I, don't I, do, know I when... do want to point out the new Mario Strikers is out right now. I've heard that. See, I heard that's good, but lacking in content. It's like a Mario sports mm. game which has... Like... That's like every that's every Mario sports game. I know. Now. It's, yeah... But I, I, I heard it's fun though. If, if you're like, it's sort of quite arcadey. But again, that's a sixty pounds. That's a sixty pound game for like a like an arcadey. It's not got a story mode, for example. Mm. Why, why has it got no story mode, Scott? The golf story game mode used had to be story standard. Mode. Exactly, a story yeah. mode in a sports game. I feel like for a Nintendo sports game, it should have a story mode. That's why I got the golf game. It had a story mode and it was good. I would wait for uh, Mario Strikers is a game I want to play. It looks really fucking cool. But I'll wait for that to come down in price because I can't... It, it it feels like it's not got enough content there. I don't know. AAA development, very weird. There were some very cool indie games, though, shown off in that Summer Games Fest. Um, some particular ones for me is a, a, a game called American Arcadia, which is like a Truman Show meets uh, a prison escape. Um, you've got a game called... Witchfire, I thought was was very cool, which was like a a fantasy first person shooter. Uh, they announced Flashback Two. Remember Flashback from thirty years ago? I, I do remember Flashback. Well, I don't actually remember it, but I know of it. Well, they get that's getting a sequel. Um, there's some there's some there's some cool games. Uh, Neon White comes out next year for for Switch, and that's a roguelike first person shooter card game, which seems pretty fucking cool from the guy who made uh donut county i think looks very good uh so some some very good indie games announced there and i'm glad that it means that indie games can get the spotlight but that's only because these bigger games are are sort of just letting it letting it down a bit uh, which is it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens i think i keep saying oh it's gonna be interesting to see what happens next year when these games release but that just keeps happening Will they ever release? Will they ever release? Will I ever get another God of War? Will I ever get fucking uh, Starfield? Who knows? Will it be any good when it does release? Probably not. Um, speaking of not being released, tell me about you, tell me what one two Smith the one two Switch sequel, Scott. Uh, so Nintendo were uh, making a sequel to uh, the game one two Switch. Remember that game uh, that was pretty good. But it cost £40 and it should have been a pack-in with a Switch. I bought it, really enjoyed it, but yeah, it should have been a pack-in. It should have been a pack-in. Uh, well, apparently the sequel got cancelled. Um, it's been 
completed. The sequel was made, uh, but it's been cancelled as it tested horribly with its target audience. Which is, I mean, it's surprising to me that Nintendo would make a party game which is so bad they can't release it. They've released some really <laughs> uh, bad Mario parties in the past. So I can't imagine how bad this must be. All right, what's, well, the, like, what's the deal with this game? Okay, so this is the Eurogame article. It says Nintendo, apparently they were inspired by Jackbox, Party Pack. Good. Uh, but, so that's Jackbox is the game where you, on your phone, you link up... I guess you can do it on a computer as well, but on your phone, you go to... Uh, it's played in your phone browser. Uh, you need, like, a machine running the actual game, but it's played in your phone browser, uh, so you can just sort of link into it, and that, that's fun. And apparently that's what they decided to do for 1-2-Switch, which, first of all... That's a misstep immediately because One Two Switch was designed to showcase for Switch hardware. Yeah, that's right. Right. So why would you make your sequel? And let's face it, these like first-party Nintendo games, like Nintendo Land before it uh, for Wii U, is like one of the only games that are gonna make like full use of that Switch hardware. Yeah. No. No. No other game has made use of the Switch controller. Do, do, do you remember? Do Do you know? But, and this was in Mario Party for Switch. You can play those mini games in Mario Party. If you have two Switch screens, you can like butt them up against each other and like yeah. things yeah. will go from screen to screen. That's a yeah. piece of Switch technology, as far as I know. Maybe one two Switch used it as well, but no, like didn't. two didn't. games have used. Yeah. Okay, one game has used. <laughs> yeah. Like one two Switch uh, so did a really cool thing with the with the um the Joy Cons where you could like feel. How many yeah, balls were in like a fucking... The, 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 uh, the HD rumble in the Joy-Cons is actually a really impressive technology, uh, yeah. but no developer will ever use it effectively. One, because they're mostly... Um, they make multi-platform games, which is fair enough, you know, yeah. um, target audience and so on. But it means... The fact that they make multi-platform games means that they cannot, um, like, exploit the HD rumbles too much. And also, it's um, often a lot of... Um, effort for not very much reward unless you yep. design the game around it. But the HD Rumble is very impressive um, and 1-2-Switch was like the only game that did anything with it. So they decided not to do that because they didn't want the sequel to eat into the original's ongoing sales, which does ask, make me think, why not just bring out some DLC for the original? Like, yeah, why... why, why... makes a new game for it. <laughs> why, um, give that a go. Yeah, why, why make a sequel? Anyway... I bet you could do a cool puzzle game with the HD Rumble and the Joy-Con controllers. I bet so, there's definitely some sort of puzzle yeah. concept you could do there. Oh, yeah. Like an, like oh, an yeah. invisible pie cross type thing. Yeah. Something so simple. Playtesters play are said to have found its minigames, which included musical chairs on a twist on bingo, uh, as boring and tedious. Great. <laughs> Those aren't words you want to hear. No. Uh, <laughs> so... The response wow. was reportedly so um, bad that some employees of Nintendo began suggesting the game could damage the company's reputation for quality software if it released. So we don't know what's going Apparently Nintendo has been silent on whether they will actually release it, but that's pretty mad. So yeah, that's, that's uh, one two switch maybe coming to a console near you sometime in the future. You know what, if it released not. I'd buy it. I'd have to know, Scott. <laughs> I would have to know. Um... One Nintendo game does seem to be releasing and, and having some cool stuff, though. The new Pokemon, Scarlet and Violet, which is coming out later this year, making the second Pokemon game this year, uh, its latest trailer revealed that it's going to have a fully open world, 
um, which you can explore at any point. But also, it's going to have four-player co-op where you can connect online with your friends and then just go off exploring the world, like the same world together. You don't have to you have to do it together. For the looks of it, you can just both be all be at like other ends of the world, but you're just both in the same like instance, I guess. Which yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's kind of what I've always wanted from connecting on Pokemon. I've always enjoyed battling people. I've always enjoyed like trading with people, whatever. But when I, I remember when I first connected my Game Boy to my friend's Game Boy all those years ago, I, one thing I said to him was, do you think we'll be able to see each other? Do you think we'll be able to go to the bridge above um, Cerulean City and fight Gary together? And he was like, yeah, probably. Um, obviously, you couldn't. But that's kind of... <laughs> what this is doing now and that's there's something that's uh, there's something quite quite exciting for that for me i I really like that i just thought i just wanted to to raise that have you got any thoughts on that at all uh yeah sounds cool makes sense it is actually something new for the series which is what i want in a new pokemon game yeah um also they announced three new pokemon and one of them is called lechonk uh it's a, uh, it's, a it's a pig but i think i think Smoliv. Smoliv is very good. Smoliv has got a great little anxious face on it as well, which I really love. You like all the anxious Pokemon. I love the anxious Pokemon. <laughs> I love them so much. Uh, that's the Pokemon thing. Loot boxes we mentioned earlier, and you mentioned about the European countries joining the fight against loot boxes. What's going on there? Uh, European countries. 16 European countries. 18. 18. Yeah, I was Growing wrong up as when we're I talking. said that. Um, countries' consumer groups have joined the fight against new boxes. So, 20 consumer groups from 18 European countries are launching a coordinated action asking authorities to pass regulation on loot boxes. Uh, so, it's, um, it comes off the back of a new, a new report from a Norwegian Consumer Council entitled Insert Coin How the Gaming Industry Exploits Consumers Using Loot Boxes, which is a very straightforward and agreeable title. Yep. Uh, so, this seems, I mean, it's, it's fairly kind of. Um, as expected stuff, uh, they want a ban on deceptive design. They want extra protection for miners. They want uh, transactional transparency, such as, you know, what if you had to spend £100,000 to get like, the best <laughs> loot in Diablo 3? Uh, yep. On average, on average, on average, you would have to. Um, and it's all full of stuff that I really kind of agree with, uh, particularly highlighting FIFA 22 and Raid Shadow Legends. But I don't know how much detail you want me to go into, but it's fairly agreeable stuff. Yeah, it's it's good to see this. I I don't know how much difference it will make, but hopefully this is a push in the right direction of just being like actually getting this shit sorted, as you mentioned. We we kind of covered this earlier, but I I hope that this is really t- like the ability for them to make a difference here. I mean, when eighteen countries gather together to do this sort of thing, that can hopefully be. Yeah, a step you, in the you right can direction. read the report if you want from the the Norway. It's in English from the Norwegian oh, Consumer good. Council, uh, so you can you can just read it. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give that a read. I'd recommend others stuff, do yeah. so, do so as well. Uh, finally, um, we've got some union news. Uh, so hot off the heels yeah. of the Raven Software Union being formed, um, Bioware contractors in Canada. This is Keywords Studios Edmonton, um, which supports Bioware projects like Mass Effect Legendary Edition, have voted unanimously in favour of a union. The and Monday. again, in the QA department. Yes, in the QA department, which is where a lot of that, especially the uh, the crunch and the, the abuse yeah. happens. Um, the Alberta Labour Board counted the votes Monday and found all 16 eligible QA workers voted yes. Uh, they announced that the total in the news release they put out. Um, 
so yeah, they're going to be forming a union. Uh, the the keyword studios QA worker James said that we're ecstatic. Um, we're super happy. It will assist us going forward in bar- bargaining that the whole team is completely united on this effort. Uh, they started you know, you know, unionizations in March after the studio implemented a return to office order that meant hundreds of dollars in extra expenses for commuting workers. Already frustrated by low pay, the workers found higher commuting costs harder to swallow and also found the work from home flexibility a meaningful benefit. They said they don't receive paid time off, which made going back to the office more challenging too. Developing any COVID-19 symptoms would mean having to take a personal day off rather than simply being able to work from home. We all got together and started talking about what it would take look like in terms of cost for each of us individually. We had a choice. We could have a try to quit and go for another job, but we love what we do. We don't want to leave. So we decided to try to form a union to see if we can drive some positive change in our workplace. I think that's what people sometimes fail to realize is that even in these companies where maybe you are treated like shit by the higher ups, you can still love the work that you're doing and want to have the place where you work be a better place. And that's a you know, all, all hats off to you. That's, that's, that's a great thing to do to not just be like, Oh fuck it. I'll leave and find somewhere better, but I'll change the place that I love to be for the better, not just for me, but for others as well. So that's, that's great. And hopefully this, this inspired, we said last week, we hope that the Raven software one would inspire more. I'm not suggesting they inspired this one. I'm sure there's been going on for a little while now, but hopefully this, this is, this is two quite high profile cases with big companies happening recently. And hopefully that'll just continue um, yeah. even more. And speaking of power of unions, uh, if you're in the UK, uh, on the 18th of June, Saturday the 18th of June, there's going to be a big uh, demonstration in London called by the Trade Union Congress uh, against um, the rising cost of living and government inaction on the rising cost of living. Uh, so we're hoping it's going to be really big. Uh, definitely I'll unite the union is laying on free coaches. Uh, you don't even have to be a member. Uh, you can just go to the Unite website and look um, a coach coming from your area. So um, if you can get to London that way, it should be a really big demo. Give that a look. Um, final news then, Final Fantasy 16. They did a new trailer for it this week, uh, last week uh, and it looks very good, but the sad thing is it's not coming out until summer. Oh, I'm sorry, Cal. Another big AAA game pushed back even more. They announced it in 2020, right? Uh, and they Specifically said... Specifically to irritate you, they've done this. They, yeah, that's, that's, that's the issue. They announced it in 2020 and they said, we're announcing it now, it's nearing finish, we want to reduce the time between announcement and release and not just have many <laughs> years waiting with some game. But then, of course, then the pandemic caused even more issues going forward, which pushed this game back even more. Um, I am super excited for that game. I think it looks really cool. And I'm sad it's not coming out this year because I don't know what the fuck else I'm playing this year. So another one bites the dust for this year, I suppose. That's the end of the news and also the end of the podcast. Um, Scott, if people want to find you on the internet, where can they do so? Oh, check out um, uh, Scott hunter studios on instagram painting scott vah on instagram personal and that's pretty much it nerd under geek instagram is where he posts loads of his that as well, well yeah. um you can find me on the internet at cal doughty c-a-l-d-o-u-g-h-t-y 
Uh, next podcast in two weeks' time, we something a little bit different as we're recording a pilot episode of a spin-off podcast. I want to give it a go, but I hope you'll still enjoy that nonetheless. He's going to have me on the pilot and then never yeah. again. Scott's going, to be the, Scott's going to be the pilot episode. Help me do that. And then maybe I'll, I'll, or maybe I'll be able to set afford something else. Um, <laughs> away from me. Away from Scott. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. As always, love to all of our listeners. I love it when you send me messages to say how much you enjoy the podcast. So please continue to do that. Either on Twitter or by emailing nerdandorgeek at gmail. Dot com. If you'd like to please review our podcast, uh, give us a little rating on Spotify, five stars if you please, um, or on iTunes as well, five stars. If you're not going to do five stars, don't bother. That's everything I had to say. Anything you want to add, Scott? Nope. I'm off to rub Vic's vapor rub on my chest. Good luck. To clear my na- my nose. I hope that goes well. Put it uh, put it in your nostrils. Yeah, that. Give that a go. Why not? Closer to nostrils, closer to nose. Burn the congestion out. Yeah. See you in two weeks. Bye, everyone. Bye.